covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the 50-yard fight. This is Inside the Walls podcast. I am Jim Bernier alongside me, 900 miles away, Zach Heilman. How we doing, man? Good to be on. Well, technically, it's 971, so I just say 900. It's Um, still so long, so far, so far away. It's still a four and a half hour plane flight from Jacksonville. If I ever wanted to go to Indianapolis, there's really, I don't want to go to Indianapolis. Oh, shame. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Unless uh, unless, uh, a team gets blessed in your area. But again, I just. Speaking of that's in the future, but speaking of with ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 44 of Inside the Walls podcast. Uh, week six is in the books, but before we get into week six coverage and all the stuff that happened this past week, remember this. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at in Walls Pod. Follow all of our videos or catch up on all your videos at YouTube forward slash Inside the Walls or nationalarenaleague.com forward slash videos. You can find us there too, as we are the official podcast of the National Arena League. So let's get into some week six action. Um, Some ups, some downs, some controversy as usual in the league. Can't have arena football without controversy. Um, It's it's either the NAL or the old AFL back in the day. But let's start with a AFL champion. AFL MVP, a MVP performance in his debut in the National Arena League that helped prevail the one and four Jacksonville Sharks over the undefeated Carolina Cobras, Arvell Nelson, as he took the Jacksonville Sharks into Carolina and pulled off a 59 57 upset victory in Greensboro. First off, I want to say to the fans, especially to the announcers in Carolina. Thank you for all the shout outs or shout outs, not shout outs, shout, shout outs on the, uh, they shut us out. No, go away. Uh, shout outs. Yeah. <laughs> go away inside the walls. Go away. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for the, uh, the support. We appreciate that. We're helping you guys get some information too. Um, I just want to say thank you to them. Um, but one thing I do want to say a big shout out to them. That had to be one of the most exciting uh, coverages of a NAL game I've seen heard in a while because they were balanced. They were not just accurate. They were keeping just not Jacksonville as a underdog, but they were also keeping Carolina as the home team. They were very even keel, which I really appreciate. Not a lot of announcing groups, not just in the NAL, in other leagues, they covered their team and they just – or home team, home team, home team, home team, home team. This The Caroline staff, great even coverage. Much respect to you guys. Rob Storm, the ownership group, you guys are doing a great job. Um, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, pulling the, 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 the hairs of you guys for all the appreciation that you guys give us, but just want to say it was a good balanced game, coverage of the game, and the game didn't disappoint. And it was kind no, of, it was kind of interesting that we kept, I don't think it was just we, it was just me. Um, they were asking questions like, is there a quarterback controversy in Jacksonville? And I literally go, and I literally said, there's no quarterback controversy in Jacksonville. Jacksonville found their quarterback this Saturday. And they kept bringing the, bringing the question all the time on the coverage. And they go, well, inside the walls believes. Um, so that's a big deal for me and a big deal for us. I think, uh, 
Zach, is that now people say, well, if the wall, in the wall side of the wall believes this, it's most likely very accurate to their sources and connections. <laughs> um, but overall, besides, you know, the cover, I know they did a great job covering, but as an announcing team, it's hard to, you know, cover a loss. And yeah, first loss is. from the Carolina Cobras, me and you both got the game wrong in Pickham's. Even me, the Shark, the Shark fan himself, got this game wrong. But they found their quarterback. That was the best I've seen Jackson with offense all season long. And it, every time it felt like Jackson like, got the ball, you knew they were going to score. And I don't think he could say that a lot when Henry was in the game a couple of weeks ago. But this is very impressive by the Sharks. Big time win. Gets them back in the conversation in the NAL. Well, it absolutely does. And, you know, got to give kudos. Arvell Nelson, you know, I, I, we put a lot of praise on for the type of quarterback he can be when he is up and ready. Um, he was ready to go right out of the gate. And I mean, I, I think this, this is the type of arena game I like the best. It's, it, it all comes down to one or two moments in time that define how the flow of the game or how the flow of a contest goes. Because really, I mean, as much as we're giving Jacksonville, you know, Arvell Nelson was up and down the field all day. Uh, Jonathan Bain and company, you know, they were up and down the field all day. You know, credit Bain more and more. It's funny. He's trending. I don't know if it's just us giving a curse ever since Coach Rez has talked to us on an episode of this show. But it's week over week over week. Jonathan Bain is getting more and more pressure and has been taken down the turf more and more, you know, kudos to the sharks. Cause they made it, you know, yeah, they put up 57, but they made it a living hell to get that 57 um, at some points. And they were going blow for blow. Um, honestly, when Carolina got within a point going into halftime, I thought, okay, well, if this game keeps continuing the way it is and trending in the direction it's been Carolina right now might pull up the same thing. I did last time against Jacksonville where they'll get the last possession, the final TD, and we'll go, well, another close loss for the Sharks. What really pulled it out is that that first opening drive in the third quarter, yeah, sure, the Cobras got within the 10, but the Sharks chomped down and locked down on that on that first possession. T.C. Stevens had an awkward miss of sorts on a short field goal, which was crazy. That game flipped as soon as that happens. That is, that is you know, to me, that is where the good arena football game is. High scoring, and you can pinpoint the exact moment in time where mm-hmm. – all it takes is one good stop where that defense came up in one crucial spot because scoring's the norm in this league. It should be the norm. It, defensive battles aren't really a thing that people look forward to in arena. You look forward to every possession, high-flying action down the field. And that's exactly what happened, except at the beginning of the third quarter. So if I'm Coach Rez, I'm looking back at this game, man, I'm going, man, we couldn't get off the field. And quite frankly, we couldn't finish all our drives. Jacksonville finished every drive with a score in this game. No, but also, no. I was gonna say, and also, right entering the second half, Jacksonville hits a deuce. That is true, and that's something that also wasn't showing up. Barber started hitting deuces. TC mm-hmm. Stevens had one at the beginning, but he was kind of off for the night. You know, that's a. I mean, if you if you can't get match up, you know, if you're having a kicker on the other side that can go, you know, toe to toe with you, you know, that's. That's less of it. I mean, you're not getting those two points and advantages. You're not getting the extra points consistently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, the fact that TC missed a field goal, you know, you look at how that game ended where Jacksonville, not credit, things can change, you know, fate and all. But, you know, the way Jacksonville almost gave this game back away to Carolina with that final possession. I mean, we could have been talking about how the Cobras walk away with a one point yeah. win right now. You know, this was a good arena game. 
This is what I want to see almost every week, at least one of these out of the three matchups we get max a week. Yeah, and also a crucial moment that happened at the end of the game was the the, the penalty offensive holding at the end of the game. People yeah. said, well, that should be a 10-second runoff. I got more clarification from that from league sources. It was off of an incomplete pass. Now, if they ran the ball and it was offensive holding, the clock keeps running, then the 10-second runoff is in effect. Correct, Incom- yeah. They ten- it was an incomplete pass. That's why there wasn't a 10-second runoff. And then the Cardiac Sharks did it again, let you guys all the way down the last couple of seconds. Um, but it was just strange in watching this game. Jackson's offense, like the 31 game streak ended for uh, Wilson's touchdowns. It it lasted one game. First then touchdown was there. <laughs> then he went off. Then uh, Wilson went off. Rob Jones went off. Naquan Murray, I think it was the best game he had. Uh, with Errol, uh, Nelson. Nelson fits this off, off offense better than Henry. I think that's how the offense was developed. So for the lot of Jackson fans are like, where's Faithful? What's going on? I think they can now be reassured that they got a quarterback now that can make that offense look like that against Carolina. What do you think he can do it, make it look like against Orlando and San Antonio who are coming up in the next couple of weeks? I wanna, I wanna, and it's, again, Omen's day and night, dude. It's almost day and night. Well, and again, we you know why this looks like this. We we talked about it, you know, going into the final walkthrough here. Mm-hmm. Arville Nelson's an arena quarterback. He, he is right. a proven arena quarterback. And everything that I liked about Arville when we talked last week showed up in this matchup against Caroline. What does he do? He gets the ball out of the pocket quick. He doesn't wait around. No one's going to get in his face. He gets that ball either in the stands or he gets it down to a check down. If he's got time, he's got the accuracy to drop it down the field. And if he gets time and that pocket breaks down, you know, he's got the legs. Dude is a six foot six, six foot five quarterback that can lower yeah. the shoulder and pound down linebackers with ease. He can do it all. That is a very versatile weapon. You know, the only, like I said, the only question we had last week was how ready is he being two years away from the game? No, he's fine. So at this point, <laughs> at this yeah. point, your, your main objective anymore is how do we control a six foot five quarterback? Mm-hmm that can maneuver out of the pocket, run downfield with ease, you know, and it has a cannon for an arm. That was the same question that the AFL had when he was with the Valor, you know, and when he was, of course, with the Gladiators. So uh, best of luck. You know, defenses are going to be really challenged here for Jacksonville. And and coming up with with San Antonio and Orlando and the Shark Tank back-to-back weeks, for Shark fans, this is what you wanted. You wanted – we were hoping to split the first six, go one and six because it's a tough schedule. You went two and four. Now you got a second half of schedule where you can feast. So you can literally say go eight wins may not be out of the possibility for a shark team that just a couple of weeks ago were like, I don't know if this team can even complete a five yard out route. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, we remember we not, I I knocked them down a point because I was so or, yeah. power rankings selection because I was so embarrassed at how they came out against Albany. Now credit, it's funny, you know, Albany they got. They got basically the old Sharks team. We won't get to know really how that pans out, how they match up against Arvell in there now. But now you have a QB that doesn't have to learn on the fly about the NAL style of game. He knows this game. It's arena oh, without yeah. the nets. That's as simple as what it and, is. And I was talking to one of our loyal, not loyal, he's one of our guys on the ch- our chat that we're with. I go, man, now I really want to see this Jacksonville Shark team against Albany because the yeah. team that – the quarterback that gave Albany all these troubles in the AFL days is now in Jackson because Nelson went into Albany, beat Tommy Grady and that loaded team with the Washington Valor back in the day. And even when, 
he was with Atlantic City, gave Albany a heck of time every time he played him. I think he beat him one out, one out of the two meetings, and there that one meeting when he was there. So I want to see this Jacksonville offense against that Albany team. And for we got still we got eight. Well, we got seven weeks. No, we get yeah, we got seven. No, we got eight weeks left yes, of the eight. NAL season. Mm-hmm. Um, we got eight weeks left, and if Jackson finds a way to be that three or that four seed and matches up with Albany, we might get that chance again. Um, but it's never, it's not out of the realm of things because it's now become a cluster for the race for who's going to make the the bottom two of the playoffs. Now with three teams separated by a half a game between each other. Well, I, I think that you know we'll, we'll talk about how this affects the race with these other two contests here, mm-hmm. because I think for two of the teams in the, of the four in these next two games, you yeah. start up, you're going to start wondering if Jacksonville now has all the pieces together, if they, you know, they have Arvell who can go and go toe for toe with the likes of an Albany or a Carolina, where does that leave you in the four, race for the fourth spot at that right. point? You know, because Jacksonville, yeah, sure. They're, they're not the third right now. They're, they're fighting for fourth, but I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that schedule, coming up this this month the month of june going into july i mean i'm not gonna say it's padding but on paper if i'm a dude that's coming off the street and looking at and looking on the website real quick i'm going oh wow that's a lot of uh stuff that's very winnable you know for the for the next six get four of the next six games are in the shark tank and against teams that are not carolina and not Albany. exactly you know I, I was gonna say speaking of uh speaking of the team that's above them right now you know yeah, well, uh, you're going to Orlando, nice. correct? <laughs> I was gonna, well, I, my, my segue was going to be different. Is, that, is Jacksonville going to be this year's Orlando Predators from last well, season? That, well, that's a good point. And I think that you, I think that I want to see that matchup only because the continued development of Rakeem Cato and like settling into what Jeff Higgins wants. I yeah. more and more am going, I cannot wait to watch this kid play against some of the top games again. Cause, you know, I watched how he's, he's, I mean, he's running around like Arvell, except, you know, he's got a skinnier frame. I love how he's able to get expertly throw kind of like the sidearm passes. And he's been getting a smooth spiral on that ball. He's he's connected really well. It works in the game. Um, One thing that's one thing that's starting to press me by the Orlando Predators is they were they were in dogfight with San Antonio early in the second half. And you. You're looking like if San Antonio, you know, Robert Kent was making magic because there was a couple of plays that San Antonio did in that game. You're like, oh, this is East, this is ESPN top ten. Yeah, like there's some catches. You're like, wow, this is incredible. But you can start seeing Cato, Outlaw, Beavers just separating themselves from San Antonio, and maybe it's because San Antonio got a few new signings this week and they're still trying to learn the game. But you could tell that Cato is getting it himself in the know of Orlando, understanding the offense. Higgins is coaching the team right. And, yes, people say, well, Orlando's two wins are against San Antonio. They've lost against everyone else they played. Yeah, it's because of how the schedule is. Orlando is, in my opinion, right now, each and every game, especially when they played Carolina and Albany a couple of weeks ago, they have progressed as each game they played. Questionable calls, whatever, throw it out. They, they're progressing. In this game against San Antonio, they outright dominated San Antonio in the second half. Um, and it's for me, even looking at San Antonio, I'm like, they're also, they're also getting better. They're just not, it's not showing up on the record right now, but you can tell they're getting better. It's a team. Robert Kent starting to slow down that offense for those guys. It's just all Orlando has been through trials and tribulations already with three teams at back to back to back weeks. They're like, come on, really? Like Mm -hmm. 
they were in striking range in all both those games, and the other team, Albany, pulled away. Then they almost beat Carolina. And what well, it's arena football, crazy things happened before. Um, but this time, Orlando was getting the bounces. They were getting the turnovers, and I think they scored on every position, every possession besides one. I think I need to go back and check. I think they've only it's like the first, the second or first possession in the third quarter, the first quarter, second quarter that they didn't score, but the rest they scored every time they get touched the ball. Well, well, one, and if you do that, you win. Right. Well, one alone, I mean, was a one alone was a fumble, was a freak fumble recovery for a touchdown. Honestly, I was wondering if San Antonio was going to run with that with that momentum. Yeah. And keep up because they that flipped a possession right off the gate. They, it was a 14 point swing mm-hmm. just from that because they got a touchdown. They caught back up, you know, standard, you know, kind of keeping pace. Wide, wide open touchdown on their first mm-hmm. possession. Then they get the turnover and the pickup right into the end zone. A 14 point swing. A, well, you can't say a typical 14 point swing. In a no, I mean, game. it's not that that was untypical. I mean, it was a great yeah. it was a great job knocking it for, you know, Larry Beavers was carrying out of the end zone. Um, I, I'm spacing on the defender who knocked out the ball right at that moment, yeah. but Sparrow's the one that picked it up out of the air and it's, it's a five yard scamper in for the end zone. It, real easy swing for that. It really reminded me of last year, Jacksonville, San Antonio wide open touchdown. Then that kick by Brandon bear that popped off the wall and Jack yeah. covered it. It was just like that. Um, they took the lead and it just seemed like after that, Orlando was like, no, nah, we're done with this. You ain't getting this momentum and they shut it down. <laughs> Um, it's just yeah. for me, for me, there's, there's, I watched that game, San Antonio. You can tell the progression San Antonio has done since week one. Yeah. It's just, you're on the road in Orlando in the jungle and Orlando just made bigger plays at key situations in the game that determined that outcome. Um, if this game was in San Antonio and that, that stuff happened like that 14 point swing, most likely. San Antonio wins that game because they keep the momentum in their home crowd. It's on the road. I think the next possession was Cato run out. Cato didn't like one run that was like 10, 12 yards in the end zone. And it looked like that game. It was, yeah, you can tell San Antonio was like, uh, it was a nice trip to Orlando. Um, but yeah, it was a, a very unique game. But for Orlando's sake, you're two and, uh, two and three now. Uh, you're in the thick of things between the three teams right now in the mid pack. Um, but for San Antonio, 0-4, going to Jacksonville this weekend, another tough contest, a team right. in Jacksonville that's finding their, starting to look like they're finding themselves. You don't want to go 0-5 going back to San Antonio, but I, ha- I hate to say this, man, but that was the San Antonio's best chance to get a win on the road before coming back to San Antonio in Week 7. Yeah, I mean, they talk about a tough slate. I mean, Jacksonville now even – it's even more so than how it's been, you know, Albany, they do get to host a home, but again, I mean, the empire, you know, we, we've talked at length about the amount of talent they have, you know, they do get another, they get another crack at the predators, of course, later in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I think it's just a lot of development and just seeing where this organization is, Correct. you know, again, this, this is an organization just switched ownership, you know, only, only about a week plus ago, you know, yeah. officially. So they're trying to figure this all out. So I think really, you know, see how the, see how this plays out. I really, I don't think any team, I hope no, no team finishes when listen, that's not a saying that's going to happen, but there's a lot of tough sledding here with how oh, much, yeah, yeah. how much the talent is stacked in the league uh, above them right now. And I think, you know, I watched, like I saw good things. Like I'm saying, I, I saw it. I mean, I saw a team that 
you know, offensively was figuring some things out. It seemed was getting some strides, but I saw him also still start and stop at times or wasn't, it wasn't as consistent as it needed to be. Um, and it's just a going against an opponent that, you know, Orlando, just like last year, even though I know it's not Ben Bennett anymore, it's Jeff Higgins, but same deal. You know, they're figuring themselves out a little more each week. It seems like that, you know, the predators offensively this year have taken much bigger strides uh, defensively, it's either been injuries or they just, uh, you know, Iron Man has not been as kind, it seems, uh, to opportunities when they played against opponents. Uh, I, I'm starting to realize that they're that defensively, the Preds aren't what they were last season. Maybe it is because the specialist opportunities, you know, Brandon Fuentes not being in, maybe you could argue being that key piece. I don't know what it is, but right now, you know, it seems like last few games have been more just like barn burners for them trying to keep pace, which is not how the Preds have done it. did last year, but Hey, Cato's been looking better. Um, Lonnie outlaw was a lot more involved in this game. I was, than he has been recent weeks, obviously Larry Beavers, uh, Williams surprise target that came out of nowhere. That looks like is one of Cato's favorites right now. At least it was this week. You know, you like to see some diversifying of the portfolio. If you get my drift. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) it's, it's up and up, you know, I, I do, I look forward to, especially when we talk about the walkthrough against the lions coming up, you know, this, this Friday, I, I I'm going to save as much as thoughts as I can on that. But I mean, that to me will really put in place like, okay, where are we at here? You know, where are you guys at in terms of the top four in the inner out playoffs in here? Cause I mean, that's your big, that's your biggest test since you played Carolina and Albany. So, you know, it'll be the next big one for you until you play Jacksonville. That is. I why my mic's muted. I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, for Orlando, for Orlando's sake, in my opinion, uh, you're playing Columbus this week. Build Columbus is coming off a little shaky game from last week, but overall, this Orlando team in the last two weeks much improved. Um, and Higgins is offense. It looks like from if you go back from week one, we say. It was an ugly game between both San Antonio and Orlando. Who will get better in that stretch? Orlando's gone through, I think, a, a tougher stretch of games than San Antonio, and Orlando has looked a lot better. And if there was Vegas odds, like, you know how Vegas does everything right now, like, oh, we can yeah. throw an odd out there. Right now, based off odds, if you want to do playoff expectancy right now, I think Orlando and Jacksonville, have a better playoff expectancy right now than Columbus does because of what Columbus has done over the last couple of weeks. Well, what they're, um, what they're suffering from right now too. When we get into yeah. that too. Um, but for, for the, the cap off Orlando, you got a game against, of course, Columbus, not going to touch on that game. That's for the final walkthrough. Yep. Um, but one thing that for Orlando's, let's say building blocks, keep building what you're doing. Basically you're doing what Ben Bennett did last year. Start off sluggish. Mid of the midway through season, you were still getting wins, but it didn't look good, and then you finish off strong. Um, still got eight weeks left of the season, and you got three big games against your rival, Jacksonville, coming up. So it's going to be pretty key over the next couple of weeks is where Jacksonville and Orlando stand in the, the race into the when we get closer to the actual playoff push here in about five, four or five weeks so we can actually start talking about postseason. But, yeah. I think the building blocks are there. Lonnie Outlaw is there, and there's a couple other players there in Orlando. They're making the Orlando team completely different. It feels like there's more energy. It feels like there's most buzz. And Cato 
Um, you can say you could, he can take you can take credit for it, uh, Zach, about him calming down and learning the offense and playing more arena style. I mean, um, he did. He's been doing well, that. He, he did. This, yeah. Even more so this game. He is. I have been impressed that it's not a scramble drill every other play. It is. He looks like he is actually settling in the pocket and he knows when to bail now. You know, that's what's nice. That is, I mean, like I said, his development, I can't wait to see him play Jacksonville and Columbus here because, like I said, that to me, he is the key cog to them possibly locking up that four seed if they have a chance. That's my honest opinion there. Yeah. So, and, and it's going to be very interesting. Uh, three games against Jacksonville coming up pretty soon. That's going to be very key for both teams. And also for San Antonio. You guys are going to Jacksonville. We'll talk about that game on Friday. Um, keep building on the keep building. That's the only thing I gotta say. I think this season is going to be a very hard season for y'all. Um, find a way to get back home, get some wins, get uh, home. That's the only way to get back to the Freeman. Um, but overall, got one more game to talk about, and yes, it's a game that got a lot of fans intrigued, questioning a lot of things. But we won't get into all of that. Um, in Columbus, the Albany Empire went down there, had a little, again, travel issues like Jacksonville did going up to Albany. Um, heard from sources they got to the game or to Columbus on game day at 4 a.m. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's difficult for a traveling team, not just for the NL, for any sport. Um, and Man. and. There's there's some things I see people talk about online, like, well, they should have done this or should have done this. We're not the National Football League. We don't have millions of dollars that we can, you know, rent out a 747 to go direct to a city. Can't do that in the National Arena League. They actually have to go travel like we, me and you, have to go to the airport, got to get tickets, got to get to our flight. Oh, the flights were delayed? Dang. Well, (laughs) looks like I got to wait for another flight. Airports closed. Oh, yeah, I mean, crap. <laughs> so, I mean, Tom and Oz said it best on his own. Uh, they're doing a new coaches show now for him. Mm-hmm. And that was something he said. He's like, yeah, on the ride to Newark, we had like two different crashes delayed and like some other medical emergency. And then they get to, yeah, and then they get to Newark, multiple flight delays. Then you go fly down. Like, it's just a big pile of out of my hands you know what i'm saying you yeah. can't control that stuff can't and they still that. got down there for the game you they know still, that's the thing they still found a way to get down there same like jackson still found a way to get, get up to albany last week these situations happen in these type of leagues because we don't they don't any, any of these owners do not have the budget to go rent themselves a nice you know air for uh, air force one type of aircraft 747 right. And right. it's like go direct not the National Arena League or in National Football. We can't do that. But let's speak on the game itself. Man, um, I think Jamar Forson wins Iron Man of the Week. Uh, the guy played three positions. Uh, he played quarterback. He played DB, played wide receiver. Uh, Columbus went through three quarterbacks. Darren Daniels, Danny Southwick, Jamar Forson. And it was so ugly that you could – it's one of these ugly arena games that you look at and go 39-31. That's not an arena football score. Maybe a good high score in another league, but not in arena football. These, um, these two beat up on each other. That, that, that's, that's the best I can put on it. There's a hatred between the two teams. And, and usually, like what Gibson said last week, he said it's not a rivalry until someone else wins the rivalry. And I've always said, in my scenario, the rivalry, 
Uh, a rivalry happens when the unexpected happens that sparked the rivalry. Like I've always said that the Jacksonville-Columbus rivalry started when Mason Espinosa fumbled that snap in the NAL championship game. Yeah, that's yeah. even though even though Jacks even though Columbus didn't win that rival game, it was still it, that's how it brewed. There was moments in this game in Columbus, you can sense that there's a rivalry between these teams, even though Albany owns the, uh, controls the series 4-0. There's something between it. Maybe it's because of what happened in the championship game last year. Uh, maybe it was uh, an altercation that happened this week. You can tell that these two teams despise each other. And as me and you, as people who cover the league, we need more rivalries in the league. Is that like Jacksonville, Columbus doesn't ha- there needs to be other rivalries. This, even though it was an ugly game and there's stuff situation that happened on the field that you can find out on the website and transactions, you can see players got suspended. We're not going to get into that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, our opinions are not the opinions of the National Green League. So if we say something, people may expect that it's the opinion of the National Green League, and we don't want to get that misconstrued. Um, exactly. But overall, it was an ugly game. Like, Albany yeah. couldn't get anything going. Columbus didn't get anything going. It's like, basically, it's like you digging a hole in the middle of the beach in sand. You're like, oh, crap, I found a seashell. Well, well, you found something. That's what happened in that game. They found something to score. Um, I watched that game at the same time with the Jacksonville game. I had all three games. I was watching all three. It just felt like it ever when momentum started to happen in Columbus, it always something always happened to kill that momentum. Penalty, turnover, bad possession, uh, long drives that were coming up with no points. I think Columbus had a drive. They went all the way from like their one yard line to the goal line of and of Albany and didn't score. And it ate up like eight minutes of the clock. That's killer. <laughs> that, that don't care who you are. That kills like three possessions in that one drive. Um, but overall, that game, how ugly it was, it was more of like this is the birth of the Columbus and Albany rival. Um, yeah. it, it, it has a lot of it. If you had blueprints, you look at the blueprints, Columbus win, not really. Is there a moment in any of these games that could have started this? Yes, possibly. Check that. Means that checklist is almost there for a rivalry. I just want a dang rivalry except for Jacksonville Columbus, man. I want something else. Um, sure. But, but, yeah. but overall, I looked at this game. Both quarterbacks, even though Sam Castronova has been having a great year, this has to be his worst game so far this season. Danny Southwick didn't look good. Fortson came in, emergency quarterback. Okay, he scored a touchdown. Um, then Darren Daniel came in and it just felt like it was just sluggish at the, and like they couldn't get anything going. Um, overall, there were some good performances out by the receivers on both sides. Again, Fortson was making plays as a receiver and making plays as a DB. Um, but it just felt like this game just every time I want to keep going, it got hit with something. Um, so, so stop and start. And, and I, you yeah. know, I got to give a lot of praise to the, to the lions and to what Jason Gibson's game plan was. They they basically came out and said we're going to match energy with what Albany's doing right out of the gate, and yeah. we're going to take away their best weapon and try and get to Sam as much as possible. They did all that. You know, uh, Darius Prince had one catch in this game. It was a touchdown at the end, which really was the game sealer. But still, yeah. up until that point, 
you know, defensively Columbus was doing everything in their power to slow down Albany, you know, and I know that you can, I know some, some folks have talked, well, you know, they had the long fight. Yeah, whatever. They, they still came out, you know, they, they theoretically punched Albany in the teeth and said, Hey, we're going to keep up with you as long as we got opportunities, you know, now credit, there were some that they left out on the, t- on the table. Honestly, they had chances to pull this one out and get an upset in my opinion. Yeah. And I think Jason Gibson's really right now kicking himself with some time off over Memorial day weekend going, I really could have won this game. If a few things go a different way, you know, if Southwick's healthy going in the second half, I think there's a better chance, you know, you don't have to have a Darren Daniel come out of emergency inactive to, you know, put on the pads and say, all right, here we go. You know, he had the brace on and everything. And, you know, after having to rush him out, you know, he threw a few through TDs, but you know, you could tell he wasn't ready to be completely thrown into that spotlight. It just, and looks Albany, like, it I mean, looks like, it looks like a guy who hasn't practiced all week. Right, right, exactly. And that was even mentioned on the broadcast. You know, he, yeah. he's like, hey, he hasn't really, we don't think or know of him touching any snaps this week. I'm like, I bet he really hasn't been able to, oh. you know. So when Southwick going down, you know, it just, it really made me think like, dang, you know, is Forston really going to have to carry this through the next half? And, you know, luckily, Dan, I mean, they made it a game. I'll, I got to give Columbus a ton of credit. You know, like I said, Holding Albany to 39, you know, that's something that's pretty impressive. It's just that the Empire, because of some of the ineptitude on offense, because of these circumstances that Columbus is going through in key places like, you know, obviously in your QB department, some of your linemen, you have a line issue with injury as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to keep up, you know. As for Albany, they don't walk out of this game unscathed either. I mean, they, they, lose, they lose, lose Ryan Orozco in this game. That's a, yeah. that's one of so that's arguably you can argue that's the best kicker in the league right now. Yeah, the, he's a deuce machine, and that was key. And we are we also mentioned last week's show that it's very hard to kick deuces in Columbus. It is. I don't know. I don't know why it's so difficult. There's no wind in there. There's no I think AC it's a ceiling. I think I heard Probably. it was a ceiling from Craig. Yeah, Craig. Actually, it's funny. I had a if I remember this right, I, I did an interview with him off this show from one of my old podcasts and. His my understanding of there was that it's a lower ceiling, so you have to do more of a streamlined kick. There's less of an arc on it, you know. So you really have to like you have to you have to find a way to nail that sucker and really just kind of dart it into yeah. into the so goal. Ba- so basically, you can't do a draw or fade. You have to hit a uh, what Tiger Woods used to do a freaking uh cut uh right. zing oh what, what, not a cut shot. What do you call the freaking uh? I mean, you can, I call it a beamer. You have to like beam yeah. that thing and not- you know. <sighs> I guarantee people are watching who are big golf people like, oh, oh, oh Stinger, Stinger. There you okay, go. That, that's it. Stinger. All you need to know is that, you know, Columbus Civic Center isn't any Amway arena where the thing's like no. effing three, two to three plus stories it's up not, there. It's know? not MVP. It's not Amway. It's not Vistar. Yeah. You can kick, you know, boomers and all those other arenas. It's not in Columbus. I think. And it's strange is that Columbus, again, they weren't doing either either. They were doing a lot of directional kicks. Um, did a couple of them where they kicked the ball into in, in the field of play, then it went out in the end zone, which mm-hmm. was a technically like a touchback to the five yard line. So they were doing their best to keep Albany's offense from not going. And one thing that uh, Gibson pretty much showed it from people I've talked to throughout the league, people are starting to figure out how to play Darius Prince, bump him, be physical with him, make him earn it. Because Columbus this weekend, every time I see Prince get off the line, he was getting hit. Yep. And that slowed down the reps. And I think Coach Resinalo and Carolina's going to see that 
and then Columbus may do it again when they play later in the year, and San Antonio may see that, and they'll start going, okay, this is how we play Darius Prince. And it's, you know, it, Darius is a damn good athlete. He's going he's gonna to win awards. He may not like it, like he said on, his, uh, on the coach's show today uh, with Albany. He's like he's not there for individual awards. But when players say that, this is what my coach said in high school. You want an individual award from school like a player? Yeah. Do you really want it to represent your legacy? Yeah. Then you care about it. Yeah. What happens if someone says they don't want that individual award? Do they really care about it? No, they care about it. They just don't want to represent it. Just saying, Darius Prince is a beast. And I know him. If he wins a war, he's going to show it. Everyone says, even though they think of team first, I know everyone's mentality. I was like that in high school. I guarantee you were like that in high school. And there's hundreds of players around this country, thousands of players around the country. They think team before individual. And that's what Prince's Prince mindset is. I just, I just, when he made that comment, I'm like, man, he's not the only one that says that. But deep down inside, they're team oriented first. And Darius Prince, like, if, if it, I mean, if me and you went one on one with Darius Prince, he would dust both of us. I'm just <laughs> I know. Oh no, no, no. That there's. I'm a, I'm a D I, lineman, man. I'm a D lineman. I'm not no DB. <laughs> really? Do you think either one of us want to test oh, I'm that? A, I, I'm oh. like I said. I, I'm definitely more a D lineman. I, I'd rather be trying to go against no. like. I, I mean, Ziegler probably in Caroline would beat me or, you know, someone like that, but, or a C say, if I tried to go against yeah. him, you know, maybe have a little more, I don't know. I, I'm yeah, not, I'm still only six foot. Like, think about that. I'm not yeah. really <laughs> the right lineman size, even for pro level. Yeah. So. I, I'm, I'm five, nine or five, 11, depending on what store I walk into, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Some people get the measurements wrong. Uh, but yeah. variance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I do like about one thing about this game against Columbus and Albany, physical. Both teams very, very physical. Much. And when I mentioned like this is the start of something, Albany fans may not think it. Columbus fans may not think, but I think it is. I think this is the start of a rivalry that the Arena League need. This league needs. It needs another marquee matchup between the two, and we might actually get another one here this Saturday, Saturday night. Uh, between Columbus and, uh, and between uh, Carolina and Albany. So uh, it's intriguing. Um, but Albany has now escaped two games in the last three weeks, and then Orlando and Columbus. They they could took care of Jacksonville last week, but I think teams are starting to figure out Albany right now, and they're, they have a big matchup this week against Carolina, who's come off a tough loss to Jacksonville, so it can be intriguing. But for Columbus, they got to go to Orlando. Um it's the first time they've gone to Orlando in three years, which is kind of strange. They didn't go to Orlando last year. They played twice, but it was in Columbus. And it's it's a pivotal matchup, too. We're entering midway point. So on Friday's show, ladies and gentlemen, we'll do our midseason report cards because we are halfway through the season. And those report cards are usually via power rankings. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um, just FYI, on Friday's show, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be a lot of changes. On both power rankings, um, so I'm very. And Bill, here's here's what I'm gonna say. My number one has not changed, but there's a lot of mixtures on the bottom of that ranking that has switched a lot of spots. Gonna impress you. Um, maybe it's because uh, Jacksonville got a new quarterback that made the rankings change, and also Orlando's impressing me. So there's a lot of changes coming my way in the power rankings. Um, so week seven is coming up halfway point through the NAL season. You can look on the website right now in nationalarenalink.com, see where everything stands, look at upcoming games. 
We are not there yet, but we're getting, we're fast approaching the time of year where wins and losses are crucial for a team to make the final four in the National Arena League. We're not True. there yet, but we got three teams that are separated by a half a game right now, competing for two spots, with that fourth team still trying to find a W in this season. So it's an interesting week in the National Arena League. A birth of a rivalry between Columbus and Albany? Did that actually happen? Did Jacksonville finally find their answer at QB? And will they pursue to get the third ring in the National Arena League? And also, are the Predators going to do that 2021 comeback like they did last year this season? A lot of those questions are yet to be answered. But here on the NationalArenaLeague.com or National Arena League on YouTube, you can watch games on Friday and Saturday this week to see if those answer those questions are answered. But for us here on the Inside the Walls podcast, remember, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Walls Pod on the internet, nationalarenaleague.com forward slash videos, or our nice little section on the right side of the screen. Just scroll halfway down. You got all our videos there. Find us at nationalarenaleague.com. All those questions will be answered this weekend, and we'll be here for the rest of the season, and we'll be live in the National, National Arena League championship game on August 13th. That's right. It's getting close. We're halfway through of the 2022 season. Thank you for letting us, myself, and Zach help you on the journey of this fun and exciting and controversial season so far. It can't be controversial without arena football and vice versa. <laughs> I'm Jim Renier. That's Zal Kalaman. And remember one thing. Look, stay in the playoff hunt and don't be a jack out of the box. We'll see you Friday, ladies and gentlemen, for the final walk.